On this episode of Trading Camp, I recap my experience running the 51st New York City Marathon. I hope that through sharing this story, I'm able to inspire you to push your limits. This is your reminder that it is not the end goal that is important, but rather the journey you embark on to reach that goal. This episode is brought to you by Kane Capital, a trading community over 25,000 strong featuring live trading alerts and educational content. Link in the notes to join for free today. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheel of dealing, What's going on, guys? Welcome back to TCP for episode 54. We've got another special edition episode. I guess we're going to start doing these after every one of my races. I have no problem with that. I love sharing the story. So I'm very, very excited to talk about the New York City Marathon. I'm sure that plenty of you saw the tweet that I put out last weekend. Quite the eventful morning, I guess. Things didn't necessarily go as planned, but did end up finishing the race. We'll go into details, obviously, later on in the podcast. No, what's going on, man? Uh, Andrew, it's good. It was really cool to be out there just supporting you. And I think, you know, that was my first time actually going to the marathon. And it was um, it was a really cool experience having like some skin in the game vicariously through through you running. So it was um, it was really cool. And I think um, the story will have a lot of parallels to, you know, what we talk about all the time on the pod, right, with relation to trading. So I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. So um, the New York City Marathon was this past Sunday, 50,000 runners. I ran the race last year. It was like my first ever um, race. So I was excited to do it again. But last year, I think there were only about 20,000 runners because it was the first year after COVID. So they skipped uh, 2020, I guess, 2021. Uh, had the race this year back to full force. And the first thing I'll say, anybody who's ever thought about running New York, whether you're a runner or, you know, it's like a bucket list thing that you've wanted to do. I highly, highly recommend it. The environment, and I'm sure Noah would agree, is just ridiculous. Like Brooklyn is just a literal party. Um, Coming down the bridge to Manhattan, like thousands and thousands of people I think that there were over a million, it was like a million uh, something spectators alone that came out for the race. And it's just like the most incredible environment and the city really gets behind all the runners and being a runner, obviously a marathon is not something that's easy and having the crowd is an awesome source of motivation that I'd say works for you know, like the first half of the race until you start getting pretty tired, but it's just awesome. Um, so anybody who's, who's thinking about doing it should do it next year. I mean, what was your, what was it like as a, as a fan, what was your perspective? Dude, it felt like, um, a playoff game, honestly, it's what it felt like. It felt like a playoff game. And I think the perfect anecdote would be towards the end of the race, 
we're at the finish line waiting for Alejandro to come down and, you know, take pictures of him, you know, running the last 400 meters. And about five minutes before Hondo gets there, this guy, um, this runner, he stopped like right in front of us with like uh, leg cramps. He was in like excruciating pain, grown ass man, like screaming at the top of his lungs and like just grabbing at his hamstrings. Like he he physically couldn't move anymore. 400 meters, like one lap around a regulation size track till the finish line. You know, he just ran 26.1 miles. He got 0.1 left and he literally couldn't couldn't move right and so he stands there hunched over grabbing his uh his his hamstrings tries to move can't tries to move can't gives it about five minutes after five minutes he stands up he starts to walk people you know are are lined up along the finish line just cheering him on this random guy that like i'd never seen i'm screaming at the top of my lungs like let's go like you got this everybody in the crowd's cheering 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 this guy gets up and he starts to hit a light jog and then resumes at the pace. Like before he stopped, everyone went nuts. Everybody. So sick. Like I, like I had chills. Like it was crazy. Like it literally felt like the Knicks were in the playoffs, like a Rangers playoff game. Like everyone was so invested, um, you know, in these people, because if you know somebody who's running in the marathon, you know what it means to any runner who's running in the marathon. Right. And so I think, you know, that's how people treated it. And, I don't know. I've, I've just never been in an environment like that. And it was really, um, it was really exciting. It was, it was really, really exciting. Yeah. There's like that giant sense of camaraderie, especially amongst the runners. So if you think about it, depending on, um, you know, your approach coming into the race, you know, most people I'd say are out there with, um, the goal of running a certain time. And so for me, the pace group that I was with was the three and a half hour pace group, which is just an eight minute per mile pace. And you start in a pretty decently sized group, right? And you're running alongside people who obviously you've never met complete strangers, but it's like, by the time you're even at mile five, you're like communicating with each other, but not necessarily verbally. Maybe you've spoken a couple words but you're running alongside everybody and you just start to realize like everybody there, you know, whether it's in your pace group, whether it's, you know, people running slower, people running faster, like everybody is on this mission and that energy alone is unbelievable. And I think that's what the fans feed off of, right? It's like understanding that somebody who's running this is doing it, Um, in order to accomplish something and feel good about themselves. And you know the work that they've put in to get to this point. And the race is obviously the grand finale. And so the fans, as you're running by, it's like, it's like, they're like screaming at you. Like, let's go. Like they're like, you can tell it's not like fake. It's, it's very weird to describe. Like you think, Oh, like how can somebody who doesn't even know me, like cheer me on and like, but that's not what it's like at all. And I'm sure for you as a family, you saw people coming by that you were like, gassing up like you're like trying to get them to finish because you can see that they're struggling but as you mentioned you know how much it means to them so you know between having that group of runners that I was with where it's like you know we're communicating with each other every so often barely speaking to each other but you know maybe the only thing you're saying is you know looking strong guys are like let's go like we're just like checking pace we're like making sure that everybody's all right um I don't know just like basic stuff like that but between that 
camaraderie amongst the runners. And then you have the fans who are also so invested. It's like this giant energy in the city for an entire morning that is like nothing else. No other world major marathon even compares to it. It's the biggest marathon in the world. And it's nuts. I mean, I'm, I'm going to do it again. Hopefully uh, you'll be out there. And Ryan, of course, after, Ryan. after getting, of course, juice. dude. Yeah. Those guys. So I guess we can get into the story now of uh, the race and what went down. So um, as I had mentioned, I was running with the 330 pace group. So my goal time was to come um, in under three and a half hours. So to finish the race in under three and a half hours. And, you know, coming into the race, my confidence wasn't very high because I was nursing an injury. So I had what was basically just like shin splints that sort of led into tendonitis that ran all the way up the inside of my lower leg and into my knee. And so for about a month, I wasn't able to really get that mileage in that I would have liked to. It was really about resting, getting on the bike, swimming, you know, trying to maintain as much fitness as possible, but knowing that running a lot probably wasn't the best idea because I needed to be ready for the race. And so already coming into it, I had like that mental barrier, right? And, you know, somebody who looks at me um, and a lot of people were telling me this is like, oh, you're fine. Like you did the 50 mile race. Like you ran the marathon last year. Like you're training all the time. That's true. But as a runner, you feel when you're, uh, fitness is where it needs to be. And you can also feel when your fitness levels start to decline. And that really plays with you mentally. So it's almost like you forget the type of runner that you are. And so unfortunately, that was sort of the situation that I was in coming into the race. But, you know, I told myself, whatever happens is going to happen. I didn't know if my knee was going to blow out. I didn't know if I was going to be three miles in and I, the pain was going to be too excruciating. Um, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to go for that 3:30 time and see what happens. And so leading up to the race, another thing that was really important was the weather. So typically for the New York city marathon, we're looking at 30 to 40 degree weather. And this was the, um, hottest, most humid New York city marathon, um, in history since the marathon was moved to the month of November. And the problem is not so much the humidity and the heat. Running in uh, heat and humidity is, you know, that's part of the game. Obviously, I did a lot of training during the summer. That's when I was training for my 50-mile race. But the problem becomes when you haven't trained in the heat and humidity for three-plus months. And so every runner that was coming into New York wasn't necessarily prepared for it. You know, if you're doing a race in the summer, you know what you're getting yourself into. You're training hard. Maybe you're, you know, mixing in some runs right in the middle of the day so that you can become heat adapted. But it was almost impossible to do that given that, again, it hasn't been this hot in months. And so that was obviously going to be a big factor. But the energy is high and you don't really know how much it's going to affect you, right? So the only thing you can do is prepare. You have your nutrition. For me, I had uh, Martin gels and electrolyte salts. And I ended up downing like nine gels during the race, which is, you know, double the amount I did last year. 
um, just because I felt it was important to try to fuel myself as best as possible, knowing that my body would be giving a lot. And so to start the race, I went off with the 330 pace group, running eight minute per mile pace. And by around mile 10 is when I knew that it was going to be a really, really difficult race. My leg felt good, which was awesome. Um, I think that the adrenaline was definitely helping and I wasn't feeling any pain in that area. Um, one thing I did notice, however, is that my heart rate was extremely high, extremely high. I think it was a mix of the heat and, uh, just not being as fit as I would have liked to be because I had taken that time off from running and I wasn't able to get those long runs in. And so my heart rate, I just couldn't get it below, um, 160. I remember when I started the race, my heart rate was at like 170, which I I literally turned it off because I couldn't believe what I was looking at. You know, typically when I'm running an eight minute pace in my training, I was um, like in the 140s, maybe 150s um, as far as heart, heart rate goes. And that to me was like a big, big mental thing. I was like, oh my God, like look at how hard I'm having to work just to maintain this pace this early. And so, again, I just knew I was going to have to work so hard to hit this goal time. And so by the time mile 10 came around and we're cooking through Brooklyn, so the race starts in Staten Island. You go over the Bears on a bridge. It's like a two-mile bridge. Uh, You see a view of uh, Manhattan. It's awesome. You come off the bridge. You work through Staten Island, work into Brooklyn, right? And then uh, you're in Brooklyn for a good amount of time, and that's where – you know, it's like a big party, as I mentioned earlier. The fans are crazy. And, you know, it's just fun, right? And then the race goes on, progresses. And like I said, by mile 10, I just didn't feel – I didn't feel good. Like, you know, as a runner, when you're going to have a lot left in the tank and when you're going to be able to push the pace, I just knew I was going to have to work. But at the same time, because of the weather and because of the circumstances, the humidity – I understood that every single runner was going to be dealing with the same thing. And I told myself from very early on, in order to hit your goal time, you're going to have to suffer. And, you know, I kept looking at my watch and I was just telling myself, if you can hold the pace for three and a half hours, you'll be able to look back at this for the rest of your life. And you'll be able to see the accomplishment, um, that you made. And that was what was the most important thing for me. It was like, I want to accomplish the goal. I was so focused on accomplishing the goal. If I could suffer for the three and a half hours, it's over. It's three and a half hours, you know, to be able to reflect on something um, that you did for the rest of your life. Right. And so I was in that mindset from very early on that no matter what happened, I wasn't going to let off the pace. There were a lot of people dropping back from the three and a half hour group early on. And just mentally, I was just so locked in on the goal and I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And so, um, you know, as the race progressed, you know, we get to mile 16, you come down the Queensboro from Queens into Manhattan and you're running down first Ave. And I was just so gassed, so gassed. And the crowd is just incredible, but I really felt myself starting to work and I was just dehydrated. Um, Despite fueling, I just wasn't you know, getting that, that extra boost. But again, I was like, you know, this is, 
this is a lot of what marathon is about. It's about pushing yourself. It's about putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation. And I wanted that mental battle and I wanted to win that mental battle so badly. And I just wouldn't let myself, um, push off the pace. I just would not let it happen. And I just kept hammering and hammering and hammering. And it just got very, very difficult. But as you get to that 20 mile mark, and then as you get to mile 22 and you only have four miles left and I kept telling myself, okay, 30, 40 more minutes, right? I was just looking at my watch. It was like 30 more minutes. If you can suffer for 30 more minutes, this is something that you'll be able to look back on for the rest of your life. And I was like, I, I want to, I wanted to suffer. I wanted to be better at suffering than anybody else out there. Because again, understanding that everybody is going through the same exact thing. It's getting just as hard for everybody else, but it's about who can suffer better and longer, right? You just got to be okay with it. And that's what I kept telling myself. And I was just going and going and going. And then um, with about a mile left in the race, mile 25, um, I started to make a push ahead of the, the 330 pace group because I wanted to come sub 330. So I wanted to get that 329. And I really started working. And at this point, like, I, I barely even like know what's going on. Like it, it, like I have very little control of my body is what it felt like. It was like my mind just completely taking over, just so focused on that finish line, like needing to do whatever it took um, to get there. And, you know, as I'm pushing, I kept looking back to see how far um, the eight minute pace group was behind me. And so I kept going and I would look back and I would check back, check back. And I didn't see them at one point. And I was like, okay, you know, I have like a 30 second to a minute cushion here on the 330 group. I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to come in at 329 and the pain in my legs was becoming like just so gnarly. Like everything, I was just so tired. The amount of effort it was taking, um, just for a single step was so much. And I kept like feeling myself like start to slow down. And in my head, I was like, no, you can't. And I just, I would like kick it into another gear and kick it into another gear. And then I started feeling in my hamstrings, these, these cramps. And it starts with like a little, like, it's like, if somebody's like pulling on your hamstring just a little bit and you know, you, you kind of skip and you're like, Oh shit, like here comes the cramp. And so I was literally just praying. I was praying. I was like, I kept looking at my watch and I had about, you know, four minutes until I was going to finish the race. Cause I knew based on the pace that I would come in at three twenty nine, I had about four minutes left and I started getting the cramps and I was like, you just, I, I just like basically begging my legs to hold on for another four minutes because I knew that it, I was so close um, to just completely shutting down because of course, you know, at some point, your body can only do so much um, and having pushed the pace in the heat for that long. And so I, I started feeling the cramps. And as I mentioned, like every once in a while, I hit a little skip, a little skip, but I would keep going and going until finally um, with like a hundred meters or a hundred yards uh, left in the race, the the cramps in my legs, just, it, it was too much to, to keep moving forward. And Basically, my legs gave out on me. Um, and as soon as I stopped running, 
that was like my brain all of a sudden uh, leaving what I guess was survival mode because I didn't even, like I mentioned, I, I, I had been working so hard and um, just running for, for so long at um, a, a decent pace at this point that it was like, I, I should have stopped running, you know, looking back at it, you know, my body was ready to stop running like an hour before this happened. Like you got to imagine how, how hard I was making my legs and my body work, like how much it took to get to this point to where I finally just shut down the legs shut down on me. And I, I just went, I went down. And so once, you know, my legs and the cramps were too much and they gave out my brain shut down and no, it knew that I stopped running and I just got so, so lightheaded. And I remember I stopped running and a guy comes up to me and he's like, come on, man, like I got you, like let's finish. And he was going to help me um, to the finish line. That's literally how close we were. And I couldn't do it. I literally, I could not move. Um, I went down. I just remember the, uh, the medics that were there, they sat me down um, in a chair and for at least 15, 20 minutes, I couldn't even lift my head up. And it was just so, so brutal. Um, and this picture here is, you know, by the time my parents had gotten to me um, and I was already in much better shape than when I first went down, it took me like 10 minutes to even give uh, the medics my parents' phone information because it was I was so nauseous that I thought I was going to throw up just from speaking. Um, but yeah, it was it was just a moment where, you know, your mind can only do so much. And that's like one of my biggest things is like where the mind goes, the man follows and like pushing through those mental battles and learning how to suffer and in order to like accomplish these great goals. But that was, you know, the first time where I can truthfully say my body just reached its limit and it was just nuts, man. It was, it was really scary. Um, of course in the moment and they kept asking me, you know, do you want to go to the medical tent? Do you want to go to the medical tent? And I just, I was telling them, no, I was like, there's literally no way I knew that I had, you know, another six hours before they were going to even stop the marathon. And at no point did I think to myself, especially that close to the finish that I was just going to walk away um, and have them uh, take me off and take me to the med tent. I knew that I wanted to finish the race and that's what ended up happening after about 40 minutes with help from my dad, I was able to get out of the chair and finally walk. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, looking back at it when you're that close to the finish line and you know, you just shut down completely. That's not so much a thing of, okay, I don't, I don't want to run anymore. That's legitimately the body saying, you know, you can't, we're not going to take you any further because you're probably going to do something bad. Right. So yeah, it, it was something, man. I, I was working uh, so hard and, um, you know, it was hours of, of battling against myself and to come that close. And then finally the body just shuts down. It was very frustrating in the moment. And I was extremely emotional and I was also, you know, pretty worried uh, based on how I was feeling. I was like, shit, am I going to have to go to the hospital? Cause it, it really was that bad. Um, but at the same time, looking back at the race, did I hit my goal time? No, but I think what was even more important was 
that I was able to push myself to that point. Because as I mentioned, getting to that point means that I was struggling for, you know, at least an hour beforehand, like the amount you have to work to get to that point. I think that the normal person doesn't even push themselves to that limit. And for me, it was either I'm going to go sub 330. And it's funny, I told Ryan uh, the the night before, and it was I was kind of joking, but I was like, all right, if I don't get 330, if I don't go sub 330, it's because I collapsed out there. <laughs> That's what I said to him. And uh, it's pretty crazy that ended up happening. But that was my mindset. It was, I'm either going to accomplish the goal or some crazy shit is going to happen and they're going to have to take me out of there. And that's the reason that I'm not going to accomplish it. But um, yeah, it was, it was a nuts experience, man. It was crazy. For me, it's, it's like you finished, you finished, right? And I think at the end of the day, you know, that's really what matters. And obviously like knowing you as a person and, you know, knowing the standard that you hold yourself to when, you know, we initially heard that you didn't get the three thirty. Um, obviously, I knew you'd be super disappointed, but I thought at the same time, and I texted you this to be able to push through that sort of adversity and still finish the race. I think you know speaks volumes to um, you know what this means to you and how hard you did work out there. And so I think you know, obviously, props to you for for the amazing display and and. For me and Ryan, who were there, it was kind of, it was kind of like a, a crazy experience because we had seen you what like a couple of minutes, like right before you, right before the uh, the finish line, and we thought you were you you would finish the race, and so um, from our perspective, it was like man, like Alejandro just crushed this. He hit his three thirty, you know, it, this is this is great. And then obviously we find out um, what had happened, but I thought, I don't know, man, it, it was it was like surreal to to even, to even hear that because it was like, we thought you weren't going to be okay for a little bit. And I think that that's like, you know, where your brain immediately goes, like, it's no longer about like the marathon or the finish line. It's like, is that like all right? And so, um, yeah, just glad you're okay, dude. And glad, um, you know, it wound up being a positive experience. Yeah. Let's bring in Ryan. You said that Ryan, uh, was there as well. It was awesome to have you guys support. Let's get his, uh, his take Ryan, what's going on? Yo, what's going on, guys? First time producer on the Ryan on the Yo, freaking pod, the show. Dude, first time showing Mitt here, dude. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Ryan, let's now, talk about it, dude. Let's talk about that. Uh, that that last like five minutes, really, where we were, you know, standing at the finish line, Ryan and I, um, and another one out, hundreds friends, you know, waiting for him to, to cross that finish line. Um, and it was pretty crazy, right? When he finally came around the bend. Dude, the thing is, like, Alejandro probably doesn't understand that we, you and I lived, like, two different timelines. We saw Alejandro 400 meters from the finish line. Like, and we saw, we, we ran with you until you went around the bend where you fell. So for us, it was, like, for at least 45 minutes, like, the truth of the day was you finished eight-minute mile, under 3.30. And to get that call 45 minutes later, where it's just like, oh, like, like there was no doubt in my mind. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't a possibility that that could have happened. You know, we saw you finish the race, essentially. And then to find out that that didn't happen and that you were on the ground and that, 
like everything was still up in the air. It was just like to feel a day kind of switch like that, you know? I mean, you talked to me about how sick the bars are after the marathon. I was like, dude, this is going to be the best day of my life. <laughs> dude, I was like, dude, this is going to be a ripper. Like, we're yeah. going to go fly to these bars. And like, dude, your buddies, when they came in after they finished, they were like, we're hitting the bars, dude. And like, now we went from, okay, our friend just, you know, did something. I mean, obviously still incredible, but like he, he accomplished this goal. It's going to be a party to being like, are we going to the hospital yeah. Is he going to be okay? And it's just crazy the way when you're pushing yourself to an extreme like that, it can just turn like on a dime, you know? Yeah. And I mean, again, talking about the goal and it is crazy that you guys did like thinking about when I hear you talk about it, you did pretty much see me finish the race. And it's like, <laughs> that is so nuts to think how yeah. close I was and that really does put it into perspective, you know, how bad it must have gotten to the point where I couldn't go from like when I think about getting up out of the chair finally and my dad and the security guard walked me to the finish line. It took me probably like a couple minutes. Like it was literally right there. I remember I was asking them, um, like, how close am I to the finish? And they're like, it's around the corner. And as I was sitting there in the chair, I could not believe what was going on. I, like I've, I've never felt anything like that. You know, I go on runs all the time, runs that are hard, runs that are difficult, and you feel like you're pushing yourself so hard and then you finish and you're able to walk away and it just ends up being a good workout. Looking back at what happened, I legitimately pushed my body to its limit and it's just so nuts. But again, thinking about the goal and we were thinking about celebrating if I came in under 3.30 and how things quickly changed and my finishing time ended up being 4.18. You know, the the 3.30 goal, the reason I do that is not to be able to tell people, you know, I ran a sub 3.30 marathon. It's because I know in order for me to run sub 330, I'm going to have to go out there for three and a half hours. And for the majority of it, it's going to be really fucking hard. And I'm going to really fucking hate doing it. And I think that that's where growth comes as a runner and in anything else. And so going into the race, saying to myself, I want to run sub 330 is not for the accolades. It's not just to be able to say that it's to do something and put myself in a, in a situation that is really uncomfortable and come out on top and be a better person because of it. And so finishing the race in 418, but having that moment where I collapsed and I didn't let them take me off and I finished the race, albeit with support from my dad, that to me that's even more important, right? Like that's the reason I do this stuff is to face that adversity, to face those situations where it gets really difficult, to face those situations where you want to quit so bad and you want to slow down so bad, but you don't let yourself. And that's the mental trophy, right? That's the mental trophy that I go out there looking for every time I do a race, whenever I'm doing, you know, hard training runs. It's not about you know, let me, you know, get the medal at the finish line and get it engraved with 329 so I could hang it up. Like, fuck all that. Like, that's not what it's about for me. So in the moment, I, it did suck, but that's that's what the marathon is all about, right? That's what these races are all about. It's about pushing yourself, accomplishing something that 
you didn't think you could accomplish. It's not about going out there and, you know, you know, some people, you know, you do it for enjoyment, right? You don't have to, you know, race every, you don't have to race every race. But for me, if I'm going to tell myself, this is what I want to do, I want to push myself. I accomplished that looking back at it. I accomplished it. Like I accomplished my goal, regardless of what the time says. Two things. One massive shout out to Mr. Borjas, uh, your dad. I mean, that <laughs> absolute, yeah. absolute beast. I mean, that picture of him right there carrying you across. One, one the thing I'll line. say, one thing I'll yeah. say before you continue, it was yeah. funny. So on the 50 mile episode, he couldn't make the trip. So I kept talking about my mom, my girlfriend, my girlfriend's parents. And after the episode came out, my parents listened to it. And he was like, what the hell? Like, these people are going to think you don't have a father. So he wasn't <laughs> at that race, but now he's the star of the show. So yeah. it ended up working out, which is pretty funny. But you can continue now. Yeah, no, that's why I had to I had to give him a shout out. He hasn't gotten enough love on TCP. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to make sure that he was recognized because um, that that's incredible, right? Like to be able to um, be there, right? For your son in a moment like that, I think is super um, cool. And I'm sure that that's something that he'll never forget. Right. And so, um, major, major props to him. And then secondly, I think the primary parallel, just through <laughs> the primary parallel, um, just through, you know, going to the race, experiencing it in person, and I guess just trying to connect it to what we talk about here every, every week, right. On, on training camp pod, um, is really what you just described and the fact that you were able to finish, right. Even though, there were several moments of adversity throughout this three and a half hour race. And it didn't necessarily go how you had depicted it would, you know, before the race, you still found a way to finish. And I think that when we talk about every single week, how difficult some of these things can be when it comes to trading, when it comes to investing, when it comes to really doing whatever you, you care about, um, you're going to get thrown these curveballs, and it may not look like, um, what you had always envisioned, right? Like I, I know personally, like when I started trading four and a half years ago, I really didn't expect, you know, four and a half years in to still be grinding, to still be trying to learn. I, I genuinely thought when I had started trading four and a half years ago, that by now I would be taking two trades a day from a beach somewhere in Mexico, um, with a pina colada in my hand, you know, like that's literally what I thought. Like I'd seen these videos, of these people on YouTube driving the fast cars and having all of the pretty girls. And I was like, Oh dude, that's going to be me in like two and a half years. Like I could just rip this and I'll be fine. And like, you get these curveballs along the way where it's like, it's not, that's not actually what it is. It may not actually look like what you had hoped. And so when you're presented with that adversity, every single time you have a choice, right? You have the choice to say, okay, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Screw this, right? I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to, I'm going to give up on this and I'll go and try something else. Or you can say, okay, even though this isn't what I had planned for from the jump, I, I still want to accomplish the goal that was initially set out, right? Having that goal, having that why in the back of your mind. And I think um, that why, why did you want to do the race? Like you said, it wasn't necessarily to be able to tell all my friends, hey, I ran a sub 330. It wasn't necessarily to get that medal so that you could put it on Instagram or whatever, right? It was to push yourself and to put yourself in a, in a situation where you knew that you were going to have to work extremely hard and you may not even with that hard work, you may not achieve the goal. And I think having, having that ability, having that ability to say, okay, 
it's not going my way, but I'm going to push through because I have a, a core reason for being here. I have a core reason, a core want for doing this. I think that that can apply to really anything, right? Whether it's trading, whether it's running a marathon, whether it's baseball, right? Whether it's learning how to code, right? Whether it's learning a new dance, whatever it is, like it may not always look like you wanted it to in the beginning. And that's where you fall back on that. Why, why am I doing this? Why am I here in the first place? Because if Alejandro had a bunch of shallow reasons why he went out to run this marathon, when you collapsed with a hundred meters to go, I can promise you it would have been much more difficult to get up and say, fuck that. I'm not leaving until I finish this. It would have been significantly more difficult for you to actually finish. And so it's not just the running. I think that the marathon was really a microcosm of what we talk about every single week on this podcast is really having that why and understanding, you know, you're, you're remembering your core values of why you're doing anything that you're doing, why it's important to you. Um, and to just keep those in mind when things get tough. I absolutely agree. And to add on that, I just want to add something that Alejandro specifically taught me about mentality that day was when he went down, um, we have a group chat with our guys from home and Alejandro doesn't even know this, but they were texting. They're like, dude, he, he, he just finished beast unstoppable. Like what? Like he's a force. And I made a group chat with all of them. And I was like, yo guys, like he actually just collapsed. I probably wouldn't send anything in the chat because it was my assumption that Alejandro was going to be like devastated uh, for the rest of the day. I was like, he wanted this so badly. I I don't even, I didn't even know how I was going to approach like talking to you when we got back to your apartment because I was like, he's just going to feel so down on himself. He's going to feel like such a failure. And immediately when I first got there, it didn't take any time for you to be like, this is, this is a different form of success for me. Like, this is even more successful in my mind than crossing with the time because I push myself to my limit. And as somebody who has watched, you know, every episode of the pod, listened to you talk about mentality, that was not something I still even understood. I still was thinking it's going to be about the goal. He's going to be crushed. And then to find out that like you had redefined what a successful effort was and like how that can change based on the way you look at it was very honestly eye-opening to me. And I definitely think I was thinking about how it pertains to trading, you know, like the way you guys enter different, you enter with the plan to obviously become a millionaire in two years, but you learn about discipline and mentality along the way. And that can be just as valuable. And I was like, dude, this is crazy. It's not about, it's not about the time at all, dude. Like what I was like, I felt like I was on like full house. It was like a lesson I learned. I was, it was crazy. (laughs) Disney channel. I was like, dude, it was never about the the prestige. Dude. Um, first off, that's sick to hear you say that. Um, that's awesome. That's sick. (laughs) I mean, to hear something like that, Cause I always, you know, I preach all the time about mentality and that's like my, my biggest thing, right. Is just, you know, putting yourself in these uncomfortable situations and coming out on top and, you know, just finding out what you're made of. Um, and 
still in the back of my mind, I would kind of ask myself, like, like I remember leaving the 50 mile race and here I am. I just ran 50 miles, but I was like, did I push myself hard enough? Like I walked away from the race, right? Like I, I walked away and I was able to go and get dinner with my family. And not that that, I mean, it's kind of a messed up way of thinking, but it's just a question in the back of my mind of like, what am I capable of? Like, okay, I pushed myself so hard, but how hard can I actually push myself before the body says no more? Like, what is my mind truthfully capable of, whether it's running, whether it's trading, whether it's, you know, business, how much can I do? How far can I go? How hard can I push before shit really hits the fan? And again, thinking about this race, I hit that point and I had told myself for so long, you're capable of pushing harder than anybody else. You know how to suffer better than anybody else. Everybody out there is suffering, but you, you, you fall in love with it. And that's what I do when I run. I get in those moments where I'm in the pain cave and it's just so fucking difficult and it hurts so bad. And I understand that, okay, every other runner that's out here is experiencing the same thing, but I want to be the guy that loves that shit. And that's why I can separate myself in running, in business, in, in trading and in everything that I do. But for so long, I, you know, I still doubted these things. I'm like, this is what I tell myself. This is what I believe. But if shit were to actually get that bad, would I still be able to push through? And that's why, you know, looking back and reflecting on the marathon and now luckily, you know, I'm healthy and I'm blessed to have been able to walk away and I can tell the story and take all these positives. I hit that point. Like I, I, it's very difficult to describe what was going on in my mind during those last five miles. Like it wasn't even like pain. It was just pure exhaustion and I, you know, a couple years ago, there's, I know for a fact, there's absolutely no way that I would have been able to push as hard as I did. And it just shows how much I've trained my mind to, to get through these situations, to appreciate that. Because for me, like w when I'm on mile 24 and I'm already feeling like I want to stop and I feel the cramps coming and it's just so fucking hard that to me is like, that's my trophy. Like that's the mental trophy. How many people even put themselves in that situation? Like I, I worked so hard. I pushed so hard that I even got myself to that. And I'm like, dude, you are a bad motherfucker. You're a bad motherfucker. That's what I tell myself in my head because it's so hard to get to that point. And I just keep pushing these limits and pushing and pushing. And I'm just so dead set on discovering like what it is that I'm capable of doing physically, mentally. And that was the first time where I genuinely hit a physical limit. But the beautiful thing is I didn't hit a mental limit because I got up out of that chair and I finished that race. And that to me, again, looking back, you know, in the moment it sucked, uh, mainly cause it was, you know, really painful and scary, but looking, looking back at it, you know, that that's, that's it for me. Like that mental trophy, 
Like, I, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. Like the, the, the 418 marathon is way more important than the 339 marathon that I ran last year is way more important than, you know, if I run a faster time next year or whatever, like that, I'll never forget that 418 because of how much those four hours meant to me. Like that was, that was the biggest thing. Like somebody could have ran faster than me. Um, but I don't know that they, they took it. It's all about what you take from the race. Like the time, as I mentioned, is not important. I just learned so much in general. And, you know, to hear Ryan say that, I thought you were going to be so devastated, but I quickly realized that it wasn't about the 3.30. That's the message that I'm forever trying to preach. I'm never going to be the fastest runner, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gifted. I'm not talented. I just work hard, right? I, there's always going to be people that are faster than me, stronger than me. If that were my goal, I would never be able to get fulfillment out of what it is that I'm doing. Because for me, it's just improving. It's me versus me. It's just getting better pushing myself, finding new limits. If it were about the time goals or, you know, running as far as possible, the only reason I do that is for myself. Um, and I, I hope that, you know, people can listen to this and start carrying that same mentality. You know, I think about, you know, business and trading. It's like, if you continue to compare yourself to other people who make more money, you're never going to be fulfilled. You will never, ever be fulfilled. But if you can say to yourself, okay, you know, this time last year, I was making $50,000 and now I'm making $75,000. Like I'm clearly, you know, doing something right and I'm working harder versus I'm only making $75,000 and, you know, my buddy is making 300K. Like that type of stuff will never, ever put you in a position to be truly successful because you have to be addicted to battling versus yourself versus battling against other people. Like there's, I think that there's very little fulfillment in that. Um, I mean, you know, as professional athletes, like th those guys are, I mean, that's, that's different, right? There's, there are situations where competing, it's extremely important, but I think that in order to compete against others, you first need to be able to compete against yourself and you need to be able to win. And that's what I felt I did um, last Sunday at the marathon. That was it for me. Like I, I won, like I walked away and I was like, you know, like I, I didn't hit the goal time, but I won. Like I was a winner today. I mean, look, let's not pretend like 418 is like slow. Like I know several people, I know several people who ran 418 didn't pass out for 45 minutes. Um, and you know, like they, they still didn't get that time. So like, let's not pretend that like yeah, after the race, like, after that race, we were like looking at like other people's times, like, dude, you still beat this person. <laughs> that was pretty Yeah. Fun. Like, yeah, like, enough. With but the 45 I mean, yeah, minutes I, at the finish line. Exactly. I just took a little break. I got tired. Yeah. That's a little exactly. Break. No, but I mean, look, you, you literally hit the nail on the head, right? Like the, the goal is not the goal. The journey is the goal. And I think you, your race was an embodiment of that, right? Your, your, your race was an embodiment of that fact. And, you know, if you didn't love the journey, like I said, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to finish, right. You wouldn't have been able to get to the, to the, to the finish line. And so the, that's what I, that's what I take away from really every race that you do. And particularly this one is that, you know, if you're not in love with the journey, if you're not in love with that mile 24 feeling where it's like, holy shit, I might die. Like if you're not, if you're not in love with the journey itself in trading, if you're not in love with, damn, I just lost five grand last week and now I have to come back and do this all over again and try and figure it out. If you're not in love with that adversity and journey, like just, just give it up now, um, honestly, cause you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it like you have to be in love with the journey itself. And, um, 
yeah, I think that your experience is just a complete, complete embodiment of that fact. I think like people also just like to talk about enjoying the adversity. It's like, oh, like I came up out the mud, like I worked so hard, like all this shit. Like, but when you're actually there, like, can you, can you actually do it? Right. Like, can you actually do it? Like so many people want this, this story of, okay, you know, maybe I lost money for a couple of years trading and then all of a sudden it started to click. But as you mentioned, like we've been trading uh, for a while now and it's like, if I lose, you know, four figures in a day, like nobody's, nobody's coming to save me. Right. Like nobody tells me, Oh, you've been trading for four years already. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we'll, we'll give you a pass. This isn't supposed to happen. Like this was a, no, like when, when you're in that, when you're in it, like, are you still okay with understanding that you're going to have to battle? It's like a never ending thing. I, I say, and I got this from my favorite, uh, David Goggins, there's no finish line. Like there's no finish line, no matter what it is that you're doing, whether it's like the, whether it's running, whether it's trading, there's no finish line. It's like, as a trader, you expect, as Noah mentioned, to be on a beach somewhere and you're so wealthy and you, you're just able to extract as much money as you could possibly imagine from the market. But there's really no finish line. It's every single day you have to work harder and harder and harder to improve as a person. Because if you don't, you become stagnant. And that's when things get really fucking scary. Failing, attempting to do something great and failing, that's part of the process, right? Shit's going to get hard. Like these incredible things to accomplish aren't easy, but being stagnant and not attempting to do something and just being complacent. And, you know, you look back at last year and you're in the same exact spot, right? We're coming up to the end of the year. We're in November. You have one more month left in the year. If you look back and you're like, wow, I I don't even know like what I did to push myself or what I did to become a better person this year. That's fucking scary. That's the the risky part. You're risking not becoming a better person. Like that's in the arena. You're not, you're not in the arena. Put yourself in in the the arena. arena. I'm going to give a shout out to somebody who went down like literally at me me and Ryan are standing there. Somebody went down literally at our feet five or 10 minutes before you came through. Um, Guy looked like he was in pretty bad shape. Wound up not being able to finish the race. Um, You know, similar to Alejandro, like 400, 300 meters from the finish line. Wound up not being able to finish the race. Had to get um, the medics had to take him out. And I, I couldn't stop thinking about, especially after what happened to you, just the parallels in the sense that he was, I'm sure that he probably trained a bunch for this race. He wasn't able to complete it. And I can't imagine how he feels, you know, back at home the the next day, like, damn, I was that close and I wasn't able to finish it. I want to give a shout out to that guy because it's the exact same thing that Alejandro was saying. Like, had you not, whether you finish or not, it doesn't matter. Like that guy put himself in the fucking arena. Like that guy put himself in a position to go down 400 yards from the finish line. Like you could say what you want about it. Maybe he didn't finish. Maybe he didn't, maybe he could have trained harder. Maybe X, Y, Z. It really doesn't matter. Like he put himself in the arena and he gave it his best shot. And like Alejandro said, at the worst case, right? He is not going to be somebody who says, damn, I wish I had run that marathon. I wonder what I could have done. Right. Maybe he didn't finish. Maybe he didn't reach his goal. I'm sure his goal was to finish. I'm sure his goal was to at a specific time. He wasn't able to do that, which sucks. But at the same time, at least he doesn't have to say, sit there and wonder until next year or however long, man, I wish I ran that marathon. I know, I know I could have given it 
you know, a good effort. I know that I really could have tried. He put himself in the fucking arena and he, and he gave it his all. And although he didn't, you know, complete it, just, just props to that guy for even again, putting yourself in that position. Um, Cause Alejandro's right. The, the, the worst case scenario is that you don't give yourself the chance to show yourself what you can do. Right. And I think um, anybody who puts himself in that situation deserves credit. And that guy was Elon Musk. <laughs> oh man no but yeah dude it's like uh like that guy who literally collapsed wasn't able to get up they had to take him off you know less than a mile to go like that's a guy that i want to like meet and be friends with because again you know how hard he had to push himself to even get to that point like that's a guy who cared so much, like who cared so much about getting to that finish line until his body literally said no more. Like, like we're not doing this anymore. No more. And there is, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like that is, that is what you're trying to do. Like you're trying to put yourself in that situation, um, to, to where it gets really hard. And, you know, again, dude, that the day was just nuts. Like the humidity was insane. So many people go, I think it was the highest percentage of uh, did not finish in the history of the marathon because of the conditions. And I'm sure you guys saw that, like people just going down. Left we were right. standing in the, we were standing in the kill zone. Yeah. We the war in the zone, kill zone. Yeah. That, that last 400 meters was, there were a lot, there were a lot of people struggling. The guy I mentioned earlier in the pod, this guy who went down, Alejandro went down. It, it was a, that last stretch was definitely tough. And it's, it's, um, it's a crazy place to be right. Ryan, like standing there. Cause like you, you see these people coming, <laughs> off, <laughs> you see these people coming off of like, dude, that's, like that's war. Gotta be scary, dude. They're coming off of war, dude. dude. Dropping. It was insane. Yeah. People are coming yeah. off of war with themselves. And it's yeah. like, it's crazy, man. It's, I, we saw a guy running with no shoes, we saw a guy in a wheelchair, dude. We saw a guy in a wheelchair wheeling his way. Like that was the most that was one of the most impressive things I've seen was that guy ripping that wheelchair down the the finish line. So sick. I saw a guy running with no legs, two prosthetic legs. Really? Yeah. Insane. Yeah, I saw him early on in the race. Dude, I was emotional the whole day. It was like I I had never seen that like man versus self. You know what I mean? It's like to succumb yourself to just absolute adversity it is it's like a solo war and i told alejandro somebody he's not going to get credit i'm sorry man um i don't know i don't remember your handle but he responded to one of alejandro's tweets and was like i think in order to be successful in this life you need to run and i was like i think i was thinking about that um like when I was out for like a two mile run, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, dude, like, I think I get it. And, but like there at that race, I was like, I get it. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, it's man versus himself in like the simplest way possible. And um, it's truly inspiring. Yeah. 
I want to reiterate, like I do every time that we have one of these podcasts, you don't have to go and run a marathon to to do that. Like, I'm not going to go run a marathon personally. But dude, no, it's so still, funny. We sit here, we talk for an hour. And he's like, like, dude, like this is so important, like everything. And he's like, but also, I'm never going to do anything like this. Yeah. No, like, look, ever, ever. But at the same, at the same time, it's like. Look, man, it's the it's the uh, the message that counts, right? It's the message, and so, um, you know, I hope for all of you non-runners like me, you get, we we can take something out of this pod and say, look, you know, you don't necessarily have to go beat yourself up for twenty two, twenty six and a half um, miles to you know feel that sort of glory and have that same, um, you know, drive and really self discovery, right? I, I don't think uh, I think that that's not lost in the conversation, right? If that's not what you're going to do, if you're not going to go run a marathon, find something else that's going to challenge you to the point where you consistently, you constantly say, man, fuck this. I want to give up, right? Find something that's going to challenge you um, to that degree and fall in love with the journey of getting there, right? Don't fall in love with the trophy at the end. Don't fall in love with crossing the finish line because that's not guaranteed, right? That's it's not. And, um, as long as you love the journey, you'll you'll be okay. You'll be right. I love it. Should we wrap up there? This is a good yeah. episode, guys. Um, I'm glad that that I got closing. To share that. Yeah, that, that was good, man. You <laughs> I'm glad feel. that I got to share the story. Um, I guess, like I said, I'll do this after all the races um, that I do in the future. 2023 is going to be a big year. Got some uh, some big stuff planned for now. I'm just kind of chilling out appreciating the fact that I don't have a race on the schedule. More importantly, I'm just taking like a mental break. So obviously physically I'm pretty banged up, but uh, training and stuff, it, it's definitely mentally taxing because you got to be focused and regimented, disciplined for long periods of time. So it's kind of chilling out for a couple of weeks and then we'll see what we got around the corner, but we appreciate you guys listening to the episode. Hopefully that you, you were able to, Take something positive from this. Get out there. Do badass shit. And yeah, we'll see you guys next week for episode 55. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It is very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find in our podcast and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise.